0: We often talk about uh, the blessing of this human life, uh, and that we should reflect and have gratitude for uh, this life that we've been given. Uh, This human life is a blessing because uh, we've been uh, given the gift of the human heart. The heart, I'm not talking so much about the beating heart, but the heart, the citta, Uh, the heart that we seek to cultivate in our practice. And this is our practice, to cultivate and to take care of the heart. This is how we make the most out of this human life. We've been given this gift of the heart. Uh, Our job is to take good care of the heart. Our job is to, to, uh, to cultivate the heart and to live from the heart. And that's how we can make the most of this life when there's difficulty in life as there is in this conditioned realm as we've been talking about in this group uh, when there's difficulty when there's pain when there's suffering uh, the heart responds with compassion so as dharma students uh, we learn to respond to our human experience, to relate to our human experience from the heart, from the citta. Uh, we learn to uh, relate to difficulty and pain and suffering from the heart. So so this quality of compassion is in the heart, uh, this sublime abiding. It's the abiding of the heart. It's our blessing, uh, our birthright, if you will. This quality of compassion that's in the heart, our job is to cultivate uh, this sublime uh, abiding, this sublime attitude. So when we're experiencing some kind of difficulty or pain or suffering, uh, we learn to cultivate this quality of the heart. Uh, And this is how we can, in this life, relate and respond most skillfully to life and move through life most skillfully and in a way that's going to bring us happiness so when we're suffering and when others are suffering what we learn to do is to relate from the heart with compassion which isn't the way that we tend to relate right we tend when we're suffering to relate with aversion to the suffering and wanting to get away from it uh, to wanting to hide to going into anguish and despair etc Uh, What we learn to do is to relate to suffering from uh, this sublime abiding, from this blessing that as human beings we've been given. If we can relate to our suffering with compassion, if we can relate to life with loving kindness, with joy, with wisdom, these qualities of the heart, then we'll know happiness of heart and we'll be able to make the most of this life. So, as I like to say, Uh, compassion is the skillful response which means it's the heart's response it's the heart's response to difficulty to pain to suffering so our task is is to cultivate this sublime attitude it's a process of cultivating we have this quality it's a process of cultivating it so we learn to cultivate compassion in response to our suffering, and here we're talking about, you know, kind of the two kinds of suffering. It's a different suffering. It's the suffering of Dukkha uh, is one part of that, but when we're talking about suffering pain, we're also talking about the suffering and pain that's inherent in life. Uh, There's a certain amount of uh, difficulty that's inherent in this conditioned realm, in this impermanent realm. The Buddha simply, very simply, characterized this pain as uh, a difficulty that's inherent, that all human beings, including the Buddha, had to deal with uh, the pain of illness, aging, death, and separation. So we've each experienced and will continue to experience uh, this inherent uh, pain in life. Just being in this human body, just being in this human body uh, has its uh, pain that goes along with it, has its difficulty, has its challenges that go along with it, Uh, that this human body is conditioned, is impermanent, is subject to illness, aging, and death. So this is part of the truth of our human experience. so, what we learn to do is to relate to that, relate to this truth of our human experience of illness, aging, and death uh, with compassion, with compassion, with compassion and this is something I've kind of had to learn as I've gotten older more and more uh, you know and some of some of you may be able to identify you know you start to get a little bit older and the truth of aging becomes more and more evident you know from day to day and you know you got you got to start to learn how to relate to that you know we can get caught no matter how many years we've been practicing the dharma a little bit off balance when we start to experience aging and we may not be relating to it so skillfully so it's one of the things I think over the last year you know sort of you get to the end of the year you look back and it's sort of one of the things over the last year that I've, I've really kind of had to start to address more in terms of the way that I relate to my experience and it's one of the intentions that I sort of resolves that I have going forward is that I have to really you know and this is all about you know being mindful and being aware and awake and alert I have to really relate to my uh, my my condition this condition of being in this human body that's aging in a few days i'll turn 68 so maybe my encroaching birthday is is leading me to speak about this a little bit more this morning uh but you know i've really learned that i've got to relate to that with compassion you know really you know a lot of that means seeing how you're relating to it unskillfully with despair or unhappiness just seeing that and and then bringing in compassion uh, uh, so, so we learn to relate to to respond. You know, we 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 learn to rely on the hearts, on the heart. The heart will respond. The heart will respond with compassion. The mind has all kinds of ideas about aging and illness and dying. So we're all subject to illness, aging, and dying. We're all subject to separation. We'll be separated. The Buddha encourages us to reflect. We'll be separated from all that's dear and appealing to us. You know, we all have experienced loss you know, in this life, and we'll continue to experience loss. Uh, you know, this is another. You know, you know, uh, area that I, I think. You know, for myself, I tend to kind of. You know. Want to try to keep it a little bit of a distance from some of the losses that I've I've experienced. If it's, you know, the dear friends that I've lost who've passed on, uh, or just the relationships that have ended over the course of the years, or the things in my life uh, that are no longer, uh, uh, you know, uh, within my grasp, uh, uh, to to be able to, you know, we don't we don't. Dwell on those things but they're part of the truth of our human experience and we have to acknowledge uh, the things that we've lost the losses that we've experienced and learn to relate to them with compassion because and you know and and if we relate to them with a heart the heart relates with equanimity right with understanding the heart understands that this is the way that it is you know so there's equanimity and there's compassion doesn't mean that it's not painful Know the way the heart responds to loss is this is the way it is. I know that it's painful, I know that it's painful, you know, but we're going to respond to that which is painful with compassion, as opposed to despair, unhappiness, etc. So, in response to our suffering, we learn to abide in compassion. And then there's the dukkha, you know, the suffering. The suffering in the heart, uh, that's the suffering that, you know, is uh, caused by what we do. The suffering of sickness, aging, and death, and separation. That that is not something that we really have any control over. The suffering uh, that we cause, that the Buddha called dukkha, that blocks off the heart. You know, uh, That's something uh, that uh, we have to learn to... Uh, be able to recognize, to comprehend, and to abandon but uh, we're not going to be able to abandon it completely, most of us, in this lifetime. If we did, we'd be fully awakened, we're making an effort to abandoning the suffering in the heart. But we're all going to experience a degree of grasping, of clinging, of aversion, of desire, of dissatisfaction, of disappointment, of worry, of sadness that we hold on to. Uh, So we're going to experience that today. We've experienced it this year. Uh, And in our lives, we've experienced uh, a degree of, of dukkha, of pain that's come from holding on, from clinging, as the Buddha said, Uh, We've all experienced uh, enough suffering and pain, uh, crying and weeping over uh, being joined with what is displeasing and separated from what is pleasing, enough to fill the four oceans, enough tears to fill the four oceans. So uh, we have to learn to relate to our emotional pain, if you will, dukkha, with compassion as well, as well. A lot of the ways we talked about this in this group last week, uh, uh, a lot of the ways that we tend to relate to the inherent suffering in life. But I'm thinking in particular the suffering of clinging, the suffering, the un, the avoidable suffering, partly because it is an avoidable suffering. It's a suffering that we're causing, uh, the suffering of grasping to aversion and desire in its many forms, if it's dissatisfaction or or anger, or uh, different forms of unhappiness, or wanting, or desire, we tend to relate to that dukkha with judgment. Right? You know, uh, you know, I shouldn't be holding holding on like this. Uh, you know, what's wrong with me? All these years of meditation practice, and I'm still grasping on to these things. Uh, As we tend to look, begin this process of looking and comprehending our dukkha, the ways that we're holding on, that tendency, this is what we had talked about last week, is oftentimes to to judge, to judge. And we talk about this right at the beginning when we teach breath meditation, right? The mind wanders and we tend to judge ourselves. Ah, I can't believe the mind is wandering. I mean, that's just a little microcosm of the dukkha that's in the mind you know, arising uh, in a meditation, we wander off into a thought, it may be very subtle, sometimes it's not so subtle, uh, but we don't respond to that skillfully necessarily, we often respond with judgment, frustration, see that, replace that with compassion, replace that with compassion. So... You know, can we make a resolve to cultivate compassion for ourselves, to cultivate this sublime abiding, to, to make the most of our human experience by taking this blessing that we've been given as human beings, the blessing of the heart, and, and relating to our suffering, if it's the inherent suffering in life or the suffering of dukkha, by relating to it, responding from the heart with compassion. So that's a good resolve, you know, that's a good resolve. As I've just kind of alluded to, that's one of my my personal resolves is to relate more to my experience with compassion. Because one of the things I see, you know, is that I don't, you know, I relate with judgment. I relate with wanting to get rid of things that are painful. I relate with wanting to fix things, just like, you know, many of us do, right? Relating to our experience with compassion isn't something that many of us learned. I didn't learn that in, in high school. I mean, I, high school was great, but I didn't learn how to relate to my experience with compassion you know, so much. I did in some areas. I shouldn't say that. I did in some areas, and some people taught me those things. Otherwise, I wouldn't be sitting here talking now. You know, I tend to be a little uh, dramatic. So we've all learned how to relate with to our experience with compassion in some ways. We've known people. It's also very important to 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 associate with beings who are going to relate to us with compassion, because that's how we learn in many ways, right? So, when we think about compassion, uh, it really has two, I I like to think about it, and this is sort of the the gist of this talk, there's really two components to it. Uh, One component of compassion is, is the sublime abiding, is the sublime abiding of compassion that we cultivate when there's suffering. If it's the inherent suffering in life or the suffering that we cause by clinging, there's the sublime abiding that we seek to cultivate in response to our suffering and our pain and our difficulty. And then there's the action that we learn to take that's informed by compassion. So compassion is one of the two skillful intentions that the Buddha taught, compassion and loving kindness. We learn in acting skillfully in this life to act out of compassion, in the service of our wish to be free from suffering. Uh, And we learn to act in this life out of loving kindness in the service of our wish to be happy. So compassion and loving kindness are the qualities of the heart that empower skillful action. So in making the most of this human life and this gift that we've been given of the, of the human heart, we seek to take action that's informed by these qualities of the heart. Wisdom. Wisdom sort of is, I like to say is wisdom, is our capacity to discern what's in our best interests and what is compassionate. Compassion is that quality of intention, it's almost like a power uh, that informs your action, right? So wisdom identifies which actions are compassionate and an action and compassion is the intention, the quality of the heart that informs those actions. It's the quality that we act with. It's just like anger is a quality that informs uh, uh, uh unskillful action you know that informs saying something nasty to somebody or doing something unskillful perhaps loving compassion is that quality that informs uh, our efforts to find freedom from suffering and to know a greater happiness in life so you know in many ways of course, action is the key. And this is how we really change. I mean, it's one thing to relate to our experience when we're in pain, uh, when we're experiencing difficulty. When, if it's sickness, aging, death, separation, a loss, uh, if it's uh, our own dukkha that we've caused by clinging, it's one thing to be able to relate to that with compassion, but. The way that we really change and chart a course through life is is take action that's informed by compassion, that's fueled by uh, the intention of compassion. This is how you change your karma. So our practice is to take action informed by compassion. So for others, but I really wanted to kind of focus today on taking action informed by compassion for ourselves. You know? So, uh, you know, this is an important resolve, you know, it's a resolve, and again, to be able to take action that's informed by compassion for ourselves. Uh, and what enables us to be able to do that is the skill of heedfulness, right? The skill of heedfulness is that, that the skill in which we pay attention to our actions and we discern whether our actions are skillful. Are my actions informed by compassion? or loving-kindness, or are they informed by some kind of unskillful mental quality? So this quality of heedfulness, I've talked about this a little bit over the past year, uh, really includes, as the Buddha very explicitly described it, this quality of reflection. You have to reflect on your actions. You reflect on your actions before you take your actions, while you're taking them, and after you've taken them. So, you know, the reflection you know, we all find our own ways to, to ask questions. Reflection is usually uh, held within the frame of questions. The reflection, uh, you know, the basis of the questions that we ask would be, you know, are my actions an expression of compassion for myself? Is what I'm doing an expression of compassion for myself? Is this compassionate toward myself? What actions can I take that will be an expression of compassion for myself? What do I need to do that's going to uh, uh, entail being compassionate toward myself? Now, oftentimes this practice is a subtraction practice. So, uh, you know, our reflection also includes in being heedful, you know, reflecting on what can I do that's compassionate or what am I doing that's compassionate towards myself? But it also includes, you know, reflecting on non-compassion. You know, uh, you know and, and I think, you know, part of my my uh, motivation for this talk is just seeing how for myself, uh, some of my actions, I see I'm trying to refrain from using the qualifier, many of my actions. Uh, Some of my actions are uh, an expression of non-compassion for myself. Uh, So another good question in reflecting is what actions am I taking, what actions do I take that are an expression of non-compassion for myself? The Buddha described non-compassion as having two veins of intention. One is ill will. So what am I doing that's informed by some form of ill will or aversion, negative view, negative self view. Uh, The other is harmful. So what am I doing vis-a-vis myself that's harmful? Sometimes those things that we're doing that are harmful are, are blatantly harmful, and sometimes they're more subtly harmful. So uh, we all, and I think you know this is one of the things that you know we, we really look at uh, you know one of those this is one of those areas where therapy interfaces can interface really nicely with Dhamma practice is in uh, you know reflecting and understanding what our habitual patterns of non compassion are. And, uh, You know, in, uh, you know, in my own story, uh, you know, there's been various times, you know, and some of these things I have changed uh, in ways where I've caused myself harm, uh, you know, uh, by taking, taking, dr- you know, copious amounts of drugs and alcohol and, you know, acting in unskillful ways. You know, those are actions of non-compassion that I've learned to abandon, Sometimes uh, you know, uh, sometime, you know th- this whole history or pattern of mine, of uh, of kind of putting myself in places or doing you know that aren't good for me, or uh, you know uh, having relationships that aren't good for me. So over the years, you know, there's there's been this tendency, you know, which is something I've. Kind of come to see more through my Dharma practice, you know, in therapy to some extent, uh, you know, associating with beings that aren't, uh, that aren't, good for me to associate with. One of the tendencies that I have that uh, sometimes seems like uh, it may be compassionate, but it really is quite uh, not, and quite the opposite, and really a form of of non-compassion is the ways that i uh, will uh, engage in different forms of like self-denial uh, self-deprivation uh, you know playing the martyr i love to be the martyr you know, you know ways that we create kind of these self-identification as the martyr uh, you know self uh, Self, uh, re, you know, self renunciation, self denial. Uh, that was something that uh, I, I think you know. Again, everybody's got their own patterns. That tends to be a pattern for me, right? So I have to really watch out for that. And 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 you know, part of being what's being compassionate for me is is. Uh, abandoning like a pattern of playing the martyr, uh, you know, and and practicing self-denial, but it also means uh, taking action that's compassionate in terms of taking better care of myself, you know, and doing things that are good for myself out of compassion for myself. Uh, So you know, we all have sort of our patterns, you know, I'm I'm kind of sharing with you one of my patterns of non-compassion. Interestingly, uh, you know, this was sort of one of the Buddha's patterns, right? Uh, You know, as the Buddha set out on a spiritual path, I talked about this last week, you know, he undertook ascetic practices. For six years, he practiced self-denial. And what he realized after six years is that he wasn't in tune with the truth of the heart. He wasn't in tune with the Dhamma, you know, that what he was doing wasn't compassionate and wasn't loving. Uh, and uh and that's really i always say like where buddhism became buddhism he realized wow you know i'm practicing self-denial i'm practicing these forms of asceticism i'm not getting any further in my spiritual practice it's like when i practice self-denial and and practice being a martyr i just cut off my heart you know that's what the buddhist saw when he was practicing self-denial he wasn't he wasn't he was wasn't Contributing to the opening of the heart and connecting to his human heart, it was just the opposite. So he said, "You know what I'm doing isn't in concert with the heart. This isn't the way to uh, a greater happiness in this life." And uh, he decided to take action out of compassion for himself. So the first thing he did was, you know, he ate some food. Right? He he was practicing these forms of self-denial where he was, you know, completely emaciated. Uh, you know, you see the statues of the Buddha, uh, you know, where you know, his ribs are showing through. Uh, so, you know, he realized that this wasn't compassionate. And uh, he said, out of compassion for myself, I'm going to eat. You know, and he started eating. And, and then what he started to do was he started to cultivate uh, concentration that included internal pleasure. You know, so our practice is so... Much based on this Buddha's compassion for himself in taking good care of himself by eating, uh, you know, to, to sustain himself and cultivating internal strength, internal pleasure through his meditation practice. Uh, and when he did that, then he was able to awaken and find a greater happiness in life. So what he found was the path was a path of wisdom and compassion, not renunciation and self-denial. And I really learned a lot about this in cultivating breath meditation. Uh, This practice, as I alluded to a little bit in our sitting today, this practice of cultivating jhana, of cultivating the qualities of ease and internal pleasure is a practice that we engage in out of compassion for ourselves. Uh, and we really learn how to be compassionate with ourselves in this practice. I really learned this uh, so much in in just this, this these very uh, refined areas of uh, evaluation and looking at the breath where uh, You know, I learned to be able to look at the breath and say, oh, there's ease and dis-ease. And that's really where I really began to learn, uh, you know, what is good for me and what isn't. Oh, there's dis-ease. There's ease. Okay, now I'm learning to discern what's in my best interests. And then the second part of that, which is so interesting, choosing ease. Choosing ease. And that was... That was impact. so. That was so. Such an opening for me, you know. Choose ease, and of course, you know, a lot of the teachers that I had known said, "Don't choose ease. Don't choose pleasure. Focus on your pain." You know, that's what they told the Buddha. but That's exactly the opposite of what the Buddha came to learn. So in meditation, I learned to be able to discern ease and dis ease, and choose ease and choose that beautiful, easeful breath and cultivate that easeful abiding in the body out of compassion for myself. This is really where I started to learn to take good care of myself, to choose what's in my best interests, to choose what conduces to ease and pleasure, what conduces to happiness, because those qualities of concentration conduce to a greater happiness. So in our practice, I always like to think about, you know, in terms of looking at our intention and our resolve, looking at the macro and the micro. So, in looking at the macro over the long haul, you know, we take a step back and we can reflect, you know, what actions do I need to take or can I take that are going to be an expression of compassion for myself? Uh, uh, And making a resolve to, you know, to take those actions that are going to be informed by compassion. So these are things that we need to reflect on, is the way that I'm living, you know, going forward, uh, an expression of compassion? Or am I engaging in some kind of pattern of non-compassion, habitual pattern perhaps of non-compassion? And then from day to day, you know, from day to day, we, we look at our actions and we're heedful and we reflect, you know, what am I doing today? Is what I'm doing today an expression of compassion for myself, or am I acting out of non-compassion, out of some form of self-aversion, or some form uh, of uh, an intention to, uh, to be harmful toward myself, wittingly or unwittingly? And then from moment to moment, what am I doing in this moment? Is what I'm doing in this moment compassionate toward myself? ultimately uh, the tasks of the Four Noble Truths in looking at uh, our dukkha, our clinging, our stories, the ways that we create self-identification, our our comprised actions that we take uh, out of compassion for ourselves. We look at our suffering, we abandon our clinging and our holding on, we abandon our stories out of compassion for ourselves, uh, and we incline to uh, knowing uh, the happiness of the heart out of compassion for ourselves, Uh, this freedom that the path offers, and this quality of peace. Uh, One of the ways, we've been talking a lot, and I'll end with this, over the last year been talking a lot about what this quality of unconditioned happiness is, uh, this goal of the path that we strive for as Dhamma students, uh, and one of the ways of course that it's described is as peace, the Buddha said, the greatest happiness there is, is peace. So out of compassion for ourselves, we train for peace, we practice the Dharma so that we can know this peace